Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My husband was hunting alone in eastern Oregon many years ago. He is an excellent hunter, only kills what we can eat and follows the rules. Even as a hunter, he loves the forests and animals and would never kill wantonly. He came upon a man who had two baby cubs of the year on a big rock and was getting ready to shoot them off the rock. Their mother was dead nearby. He tried to stop the guy even though it was possible the cubs might not survive on their own. He asked the guy why he shot the mother bear. It wasn't bear season. No reason. The guy started staring hard at him and asked if my husband wanted to take the cub's place, at which point my husband backed up and got the hell out of there. Later that night, several odd things happened at his campsite, and he felt someone was in the tree as watching him. He got his rifle, his dog, and equipment, and again got the hell out of there. Not a real scary experience, but he got goosebumps for years remembering it. Only time he was really scared in the woods. I'm a park ranger, and I've seen some strange things in my line of work, but nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered when I was called to investigate reports of strange lights and eerie sounds coming from a section of the park that had been closed for decades. As I made my way deeper into the park, I could feel a growing sense of unease. The trees seemed to loom closer, their branches reaching out to grab at me as I passed. The ground beneath my feet was soft and spongy, and I could hear the squish of mud with every step. 
after what felt like hours of walking, I finally arrived at the entrance to the closed section of the park. The gate had long since rusted shut, and I had to force my way through the thick vines and brambles that had grown up around it. As I stepped into the area, I was hit by a wave of cold, damp air. The sky was overcast, and a thick fog had settled over the ground, obscuring everything beyond few feet in front of me. I could hear strange noises all around me, whispers and murmurs that seemed to come from nowhere. I pressed on, following the path deeper into the park. As I walked, I noticed that the trees were different here. They were twisted and gnarled, their bark rough and blackened. The ground was littered with dead leaves and branches, and a foul smell hung in the air. As I approached a clearing, I saw the source of the strange lights. A large metal structure rose up from the ground, its surface covered in strange symbols and markings. As I approached, the symbols seemed to writhe and twist, as if they were alive. I hesitated for a moment before stepping inside. The interior was dimly lit, but I could see strange machines and equipment lining the walls. It was then that I noticed the journals and notebooks scattered about the room. As I began to read through them, my heart sank. This place had been a site for top-secret government experiments, and the scientists who had worked here had been studying a form of energy that they called the Dark Force. Their experiments had gone horribly wrong, and they had unleashed something truly horrifying into the world. They had tried to contain it, but it had grown too powerful, too intelligent, and too malevolent. As I read, I could feel a presence behind me, and I turned to see a figure standing in the shadows. It was humanoid, but its skin was a sickly green, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. I tried to run, but it was too fast, and it was always right behind me. I could hear its ragged breathing and its low growls, and I knew that it was hunting me. I stumbled through the darkened forest, the trees reaching out to snag at me. I could feel the creature's hot breath on the back of my neck, and I knew that it was only a matter of time before it caught me. Just when I thought that all was lost, I stumbled into a clearing. In the center was a small cabin, its windows lit with a warm golden light. I ran towards it, the creature hot on my heels. As I reached the cabin, I threw myself inside and slammed the door shut behind me. The creature let out a blood-curdling scream, and I could hear its claws scraping against the wood. After an hour or two, the scraping stopped. I hesitantly exited and saw that this creature left. I immediately ran for clearing and went to Park Ranger's station. I'm quitting this job. As a young police officer named Harry, I received a call from a park ranger in Ozark National Park. There had been a murder of a hiker, and they suspected something paranormal but they weren't sure. Being an avid believer in the unknown, I was immediately intrigued and said I would check it out. Once I arrived at the park, the ranger led me to the hiker's corpse. Upon analyzing the body, I concluded that it had been attacked by a bear. But the ranger shook his head, telling me that bears don't leave bodies behind. They eat them. He continued, saying that this was the work of some serious cryptid, possibly a loop guru. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. A werewolf in Ozark National Park. It seemed impossible, yet the evidence was right there in front of me. The ranger told me that the full moon was at night and that I should investigate then. 
As night fell and the full moon rose high in the sky, I made my way back to the crime scene, alone. As I approached the corpse, I watched in horror as it began to transform before my eyes. The body contorted and twisted, taking on the shape of a monstrous werewolf, and with a roar it lunged towards me before running off into the woods. I was in shock, unable to move or even think. How could this be possible? I had always been skeptical of the supernatural, but now I had witnessed it firsthand. I knew that no one would believe me, and that my career as a police officer would be over if I reported it. I spent the next few weeks in a daze, unable to shake the memory of that night. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't function, and eventually I was committed to a mental asylum deemed too unstable to continue my duties as a police officer. But even in the asylum, I couldn't escape the memory of that night in Ozark National Park. I knew that the werewolf was still out there, roaming the woods, and that it would always be a part of me. I could only hope that one day someone would believe my story and put an end to the monster that had destroyed my life. I was excited when my friends invited me on a camping trip to a remote area of the woods. It was going to be a fun adventure and a chance to disconnect from the stresses of everyday life. But as soon as we arrived, I felt a sense of unease that I couldn't shake. One of my friends, Jake, was of Native American descent, and he warned us about the legend of the Skinwalker, a shape-shifting creature that was said to haunt these woods. But the rest of us brushed it off as just a scary story and didn't take his warning seriously. As night fell, we settled into our tents and started a campfire. We laughed and told stories, trying to enjoy ourselves, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching us. That's when we heard the first strange noise outside our tent. It was a low growl, unlike anything I'd ever heard before. My heart began to race as the growling grew louder and more persistent. Jake's face turned white as he whispered, It's the skinwalker. I told you we shouldn't have come here. Suddenly we heard the sound of something scratching at the side of our tent. We held our breath, waiting for whatever it was to make its next move. And then, with a deafening roar, the skinwalker attacked. It tore through our tent with razor-sharp claws, scattering our belongings and sending us running for our lives. We fled into the darkness, trying to find our way back to civilization. But the skinwalker was relentless, chasing us through the woods with supernatural speed and agility. One by one, my friends fell to the creature's attacks, leaving me alone and terrified. I knew I had to face the skinwalker head. On if I wanted to survive, with nothing but a small knife in my hand, I stood my ground and prepared to fight. The skinwalker emerged from the shadows, towering over me with its twisted form and glowing eyes. In that moment I realized the true horror of the skinwalker legend. It wasn't just a scary story, it was a warning. And now I was facing the consequences of ignoring that warning. With a burst of adrenaline, I lunged forward and plunged my knife into the creature's heart. It let out a blood-curdling scream, collapsed to the ground, defeated. But my victory was short-lived. As I made my way back to civilization, I realized that the skinwalker had cursed me. I could feel its dark magic coursing through my veins, transforming me into a creature of the night. And now, I am the new skinwalker.
doomed to roam these woods for all eternity, stalking unsuspecting campers and seeking my next victim. I recently moved to a decent-sized plot of land in northeast Kentucky. I went out to check on the chickens with my dog, Luna. I noticed the chicken coop needs some repairs after the recent heavy winds. Heard some noises in the woods, but didn't think anything of it. Called out Luna and went inside. Came back out with my tools, and as I'm fixing to starting driving screws in, I hear my own voice yell out Luna from up in the woods. I'm familiar with skinwalkers, wendigos, and the sort, but in northeast Kentucky. I wanted to look at the moon and stars without turning on the lights in my house and the outside lights. I have a lot of floodlights surrounding my house just for the purpose of keeping unwanted entities away, and to feel safe because I also live alone. I was enjoying the light of the moon and twinkling stars and the stillness of the night was standing on the threshold of the house and heard loud flapping. I stood thinking what the heck was making all that noise. I just so happened to look up towards the sound and this large humanoid creature was flying overhead about 25 or 30 feet above me. The span of each wing was as long as his body which I estimated about 6 to 7 feet. The total wingspan was close to 15 feet. It flew over my sister's mobile home. The family always goes to bed early. It was flying north towards Shiprock, New Mexico. I was wondering if this was the same flying creature people see around NAAPI, Navajo Agricultural Products Industry. I got so scared and started locking doors and turning on all the lights inside and outside. I spent a sleepless night hoping it wouldn't come back. Two or three weeks ago, the dogs were madly barking toward the canyon and the arroyo that runs close by. My son-in-law went to check and saw a big black being standing about, I'd say, 60 to 70 yards away. He was walking towards it to get a better look, but he said it disappeared. So far, I've not seen it again. When we were teenagers, a buddy and I were in the woods one night and saw a floating blue light very close to us, northern Ohio by Lake Erie near Cleveland. We loved walking through at night because there were always creepy noises and hard-to-identify animal sounds. That night we saw this blinking light floating or flying in almost a hook J pattern. It was like watching a lightning bug, but a brilliant blue, almost like an lead. There were no other lightning bugs in season, and certainly no other blue lights. We were very close. It was only a few feet away from us in the dark woods. A bit of moonlight, we could see shadows. Or if there was a person with an lead light, ballsy enough to sit alone and wait to prank strangers that may or may not walk by. You know, in case that's what you were thinking. We watched them amazement and disbelief for a few moments and then heard what seemed like an extremely high-pitched giggle. Again, you little girl hiding in woods at night to prank people. I don't think so, which then we both ran out of the woods as fast as we could. Anyone know of any blue bioluminescent flying giggling insects in North America?
This happened to me in July this year, and I've been thinking about it constantly since. I'll try to sum up the experience as best I can. So I'm kind of a mentally ill weirdo. I have BPD and CPTSD and am a 24-year-old girl who lives alone in the city, just minding my own business. I have a few friends, but I'm not close with my family. It's not unusual for me to go a few weeks or months without really seeing anyone besides co-workers, especially during a globalized pandemic, so I've just been doing my own thing. This encounter happened during one of those few week stretches of isolation. I'm only giving this bit of exposition so people can understand my psych history as well as my mental state, etc. So start of July, I got this uncontrollable impulse to go camping and stargaze. I never go camping alone. Haven't been around four years and had no camping shit whatsoever. But I wanted to go for some reason, so I researched some good dark sky spots in Utah, found a cute little campground about four hours into the desert, and reserved the last spot available for a week out from that day. I bought all my stuff the day before and just drove out. I'm horrible at planning and time management, so by the time I arrived at the campground, the sun was already going down. I also had forgotten my charger, and realized I had to make my 60% battery last until I could make it back to the city the next day. There was no service out there, so that seemed east enough. My entire goal was to chill in my hammock chair all night and stargaze anyway, so all I needed was some music for that. I specifically chose the night of a new moon for this, so I knew I had to get my tent set up and situated ASAP before the sun went down. There are a lot of others here, but most are families with kids getting ready for bed. Could hear parents reading scripture to their kids before bed, Mormons, and could see others reading on Kindles and stuff before sleeping. By the time everything is set up, it's about 10 p.m., Everyone almost at once turns their lights off and passes out. This really weirded me out at first because it was the perfect night for stargazing. I didn't see a single other person setting up a chair to stargaze, any telescopes, or even just someone outside of their tent looking up. Ah, everyone was either already asleep or going to sleep. I gave it some more thought and figured they all probably just want to wake up before or with the sunrise because we are in the desert. Sleeping in wouldn't exactly be a pleasant experience when you're getting cooked alive, I imagine. I worked night shift, so at staying up was not an issue in the slightest bit. So at this point, the only people I can see that are awake are myself. This family at the campground vaguely near me reading scripture in a whole mess of people at the bathroom. My tent is located at the far side of the campground, so to me left is nothing but desert and cliff. In front of me is the bathroom, about 100 feet or so away, two other campgrounds, about 300 feet away, and more desert sky. To my right and behind me is the rest of the campground. There's another bathroom on the far side of the campground behind me to my right, which is probably around 700-900 feet away. These two bathrooms are the only source of any light in the campground aside from a few people who are using their flashlights to come to and from the bathroom. Like I said earlier, I'm a weirdo. I won't deny that. Which makes honestly telling this story to others hard. So my goal out here was to grieve and to move on from a lot of loss I experienced a year ago. 
a lot of bad stuff happened in my life, and I lost a lot of loved ones as a result. Sometimes a good mushroom trip will really help one find a lot of closure when it comes to grief, so that was my only goal this trip. I ate around two grams and was coming up around 11 p.m. Now, hear me out here. What kind of close encounter story can be believed when the person telling it was under the influence of a psychedelic, you might be asking? That's a good question, and I would say that being skeptical of a person's experience under the influence of such drugs is common sense. That being said, I want to say I have a gross amount of experience with psychedelics, some trips in even weirder and more isolated places than this. I've tripped on mushrooms easily dozens of times in my life, and on acid probably over a hundred times. I've kept tons of trip journals, have recordings from trips, etc. Never once has anything like this happened to me before or since. I've never seen things while tripping, have never interacted with entities, have never had thoughts or paranoia about something being there that's... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I always have the same trips, which is some textures get wavy. My emotions become full and bright, and I feel at peace in my mind for those few hours finally. That's it. I'm convinced that what happened to me in the desert was not a product of the drugs, but merely happened to me while I was tripping. It would have been the same had I not been on psychedelics, but that's just my opinion. I definitely do invite skepticism otherwise. So yeah, I'm coming up and I'm ready to stargaze. I got a pee, though, and all these people hanging out around the bathroom are making me nervous. No one else is awake that I can see now. No lights are on or tents open anywhere around me. The only people still awake are all over by the bathroom. I eventually cave and just head over and do my thing. No one bothered me or said anything to me, luckily. I start walking back over to my chair. So my spot is pretty close to the bathroom. 
I can walk from the front of it in a straight line in the dark, and I will without fail hit my tent after about 25 seconds of walking. Because it's this easy, I don't bother whipping my flashlight out to get there. Plus, saving my phone battery for the drive-out is still my priority anyway. I'm walking through the dark when I see the outline of my hammock chair and a person standing right next to it staring at it. I freeze and stare at them. I'm super confused as to why this person is in my camp spot, standing alone in the dark, just staring at my chair. Maybe they are curious about it. I don't know. It's weird, F. I wave at them, but they don't notice, so I move a little closer, and I guess the sound of my footsteps alerted them to my presence cause they shot their head up towards me, took around three steps in my direction, backed up about six steps, flashed a bluish flashlight in my eyes, and fast walked away. From me towards another person I hadn't noticed either, standing in the dark around fifteen feet from us. The both stand next to each other, shining their blue flashlights at their feet, and they both move around me towards the bathroom and disappear into the girls' restroom. Weird, right? I thought so standing there all terrified like a dumb bitch. I rationalized that the first person must have been waiting for their friend to catch up or something. I sit down and finally put on some good music in my headphones and just melt into the beautiful show playing in the sky above. It's now around 11.30 to midnight, and there's still people messing around near the women's restroom. It's actually just really distracting at this point and bugging me a lot because it's right in my line of sight. They just keep waving their flashlights around and coming in and out, but they never seem to go anywhere. They will walk out of the restroom, turn their lights off, and just walk into the dark without their lights to guide them. They usually will either walk behind the bathroom where I can't see them, or off to the left side into the dark where there are no camp spot. I notice someone is standing next to me. I tear my headphones out and shoot my head to my right. There is a silhouette of a person standing about seven feet from my chair. I am frozen and spooked pretty bad. They take around two or three steps towards me, then back up again around six and walk around me and away into the dark with no flashlight away from me and away into the bathroom. Now I'm spooked. I don't think it's anything supernatural right now, but I definitely think it's some people up to no good. The nearest city is hundreds of miles away, and we are far from any civilization out here. If these were people trying to hurt me, they could do it rather easily. I stay in the chair for now, but I keep my headphones off so I can hear the environment around me. My head is now on a swivel, but I'm still trying my best to enjoy the night. Now it's midnight, and no one else is awake. No flashlights anywhere. No voices, nothing. All the bathroom people finally vanished, and it was just me awake as far as I could tell. With my headphones off, I started to notice sounds now. The sound of a jet somewhere near would come and go, flying around somewhere in the desert. I kept looking for its aircraft lights, but could never find them. This deep, almost physics-defying boom would occasionally shake the desert, but in a weird way. When I heard and felt it, I would feel my body tense and shake with it, and the air too, but never the ground. It's weird because it sounded as if it was coming from the ground itself, not the air. I would hear what also sounded like laughter coming from the desert to my left, the portion of desert with no camp spots or people. I'm still at this point just chilling. 
I'm obviously starting to suspect some weird shit, but for the most part I'm chilling and enjoying the night. Then, orbs in the sky. I practically shit myself when I saw this. Above one of the cliffs far out on the horizon, this little swarm of glowing orbs had appeared and they were almost dancing around one another. I remember this moment very, very clearly. I remember seeing them, thinking I can't explain that. What the F is that? There is nothing I could imagine could move like that, not even drones. I won't record this, I promise. It would ruin it, and I want to see it through. I remember thinking that last part very clearly out of nowhere, and thought it was weird how specific it was in my mind. I hadn't even thought to record it in the first place as I had just noticed it, but here I was making a promise to myself that I wouldn't even try no matter what would happen. Another cluster of orbs appears in the sky to my right, and almost simultaneously the orbs to my left instantly shoot across the sky to join the other orbs. I start smiling like an idiot. This is it, the thing I have been staring at the sky looking for my whole life. The thing I stopped believing in for decades because I never saw it. I had let the world convince me that it was just as boring as it appeared, and never once allowed myself to think it could actually be more than that. And the proof of that was finally staring me in the face. I had to keep checking in with myself, being like this isn't the shrooms, right? No, it's definitely not. I see that, and I know I'm not hallucinating. It probably went through that little personal questioning close to a dozen times over the course of the next few minutes. The jet sound comes back, and it's much louder now. I can actually see the aircraft lights now, too, flying directly overhead, but they aren't blinking like usual. They fly into this dark cloud in the sky I hadn't noticed before, and vanish along with the jet sound. The orbs continue playing around each other until they vanish, too. All in all, I'd say this lasted for like an hour. It's now around 1 a.m., and I really gotta pee. I obviously hold it as long as I can because I am witnessing the single most special thing I'll ever get to see right in front of my eyes, but eventually I break and just want to get it over with. So, I'm a trans woman. I wouldn't even bring that up if it didn't have some sort of relevancy to the story, to be honest. I look and sound exactly like a girl. It's pretty much impossible for people to tell I'm not cis and haven't been clocked in a long time, but I still have a penis. I'm out here in the desert on shrooms witnessing some high strangeness, but I still gotta be careful of what bathroom I use. Normally I would just use the girls, but those people I encountered earlier were still making me paranoid, so I figured if worse comes to worse, I'd rather be caught in the men's in case there are some weirdos out here. I head in there, and I'm doing my thing at the urinal as fast as possible. I zip down and start going. The moment I start the door to the restroom shoots the F open and some guy with short brown hair around five feet six and a half-sunken droopy face runs in eyes, glued to the ground and barges into the stall next to me, shutting the door and doing his biz. The only word I could use to describe him was he looked sick. This obviously scares the F out of me. It's like 1 a.m. and I haven't seen another human being in a few hours, and I just saw the light show in the sky, and I'm a cis-looking girl peeing standing up at a urinal, and I'm alone with this dude. He pees for no joke three seconds. That's it.
all that rush, all that urgency. For three seconds of tinkle time. Who does that? He spent the rest of his time in there slowly pulling out toilet paper from the roller for some reason. I'm a dumb bee and just held my bladder for way too long, so I'm trying my best to just get it all out so I can leave, but it's taking forever. I finally finish and for some reason go to wash my hands. I don't know why. It just felt like the right thing to do in the moment. The guy shoots out of the stall again, way to hard and fast, comes in right next to me at the sink. Washes his hands for a total of two seconds and leaves the bathroom as fast as he entered. I'm just kinda shook. But again, I'm trying to rationalize this. I just think he's probably tripping too and the sight of some girl peeing at the urinal at 1 a.m. probably made him think I was an alien too. So I head out and back to my chair. The moment I sit down, the lights in the bathroom, I was just in shutoff all at once. The lights in the girl's bathroom and the boys. No one enters or leaves either, and now just a single tiny yellow bulb can be seen glowing above a park ranger's bulletin board on the side of the building. I sit down and almost kind of invite more weird shit to happen around me. The jets are back now and louder than before. There are orbs now huge ring around the campground pulsating and growing, and then dimming, slowly drifting around. And terrified, but also I can't move. It's too cool, to be honest. That's really the whole reason I didn't hide in my tent. Who the F in their right mind would listen to their instinct to run when you could see how far it could go? I hear weirder sounds coming from the desert, what sounds like shouting and a baby crying far, far away. The orbs reappear in the sky and behind the trees next to my tent, it looks like the moon is shining through. But it's a new moon. It's now 2 a.m. The bathroom lights come back on, but only the lights in the men's restroom. The women's remain off, and I see no one come or go. At the point, the only thing that can be heard coming from my mouth the past little bit is, I'm a dumb bee. Why am I doing this? This is terrifying, and I'm dumb for just letting it happen. I'm very aware of my desire to run and give in to the fear, but that is highly outweighed by my curiosity. At least it was. A person who comes from seemingly nowhere, with no flashlight on and no clear intention of direction, walks in front of the bathroom and it's terrifying. Normally, that ain't scary. It's just some person. But, like this person was easily 10, 13 feet tall. The bathroom itself was around 13 feet tallish, and this person walking in front's head was at mid-level with the top ventilation window. They the crown of their head was taller than the building itself. They walked in front of the restroom and into the dark, and I shot out of my chair. The only thing I said was, nope, nope, bad nope, f nope, that's my line, pope f nope, a few, that's terrifying, nope f nope, or something like that. As fast as I could, I ran into my tent and quickly zipped it up. There was no not running at this point. My sympathetic nervous system just oil over and was very adamant that I needed to hide. It's hard to describe what I felt, but it was the most primal fear I've ever felt. I have BPD and keeps, so I'm used to feeling a staggering amount of terror in my mind on a daily basis when my symptoms show up. But this was on a whole other level. It was like some deep animal part of me understood the moment I saw them, that I was no longer at the top of the food chain. Another ultra-predator, 
much, much smarter than me had just made itself known, and my body was tending up like a wild animal at the sight of it. I felt truly humbled and small in that moment, and knew I was outmatched. They were now outside of my tent, and were scurrying non-circles around it. The sound of their footsteps gave way into the feeling of their voice playing side by side my own inner voice. This is where it gets hard to explain. We talked, but talking is not the right word for it. They communicate in pure concept and feeling, and it's so subtle and instantaneous it's hard to describe how obvious it is, while at the same time being so subtle as to almost be indistinguishable from your own thoughts or feelings. The things we talked about were rather personal, so I won't go into it in much detail. I asked them about the jets, whether that was us and if we're trying to find them. They said, yes, I thought we aren't smart enough to find you guys. They said, no, you are smart. You just aren't creative. They said they are scared of us too, but are much more aware of us than them. They want to know us more, but it's hard. Too much complication. It cited me running and hiding as proof. I said, that's natural. I'm still an animal with a nervous system hardwired toward survival. Something new and unknown is going to do that to people no matter how rational they try and stay. They said they liked me because I was honest about the fear. They were scared too. They want freedom and they want that for us too. But they aren't quite sure what to do. Or at least they wouldn't tell me. Whenever I would ask their name or why they were here, they would deliberately ignore me. They also seemed to get a kick out of messing with me, also citing that as a reason for this. They did one thing that I really liked, and it was to show me they have always cared and always will. It's hard to describe the feeling they gave me, but it really was unconditional love. They called me family and kept expressing their love for me and told me that I chose this. I didn't get that part all too well. When they said that to me, all these memories flooded in from my childhood, but I'm still struggling to draw any connections. After a while, I of course had to pee again. I did, and nothing happened. I went back into my tent to eat some trail mix and to record an audio recording of what we just talked about so I could remember as much as possible, and noticed the time on my phone said something like 11 a.m., my phone has never messed up like that before and changed the time on me. It was a little validating to see, to be honest. It was very clearly the middle of the night, not 11 a.m. I left the tent and they messed with me some more. More orbs in the trees, lights going off in the bathroom, etc. Eventually 5 a.m. hit and they were gone. The sun came up and I headed home. There's a lot of details I skipped over as this post is already way too long. But there you have it. Like I said, I don't expect anyone to believe me. I invite the skepticism honestly, as I was under the influence of a psychedelic substance. I do have to say, out of the hundreds of trips I've had, I've never experienced something like this before or since. I truly believe that these events happened, and that the drugs were not responsible for their inception whatsoever. What to take away from it, I don't know, be be honest. It was amazing, and I want to meet to meet them again. I am extremely humbled now. I believe in other beings again, and have this sense of family and home in myself I've never quite had before. Has anyone out there met them too? I'd love to hear your story, if so, and to let you know you aren't alone in your experience. 
They are out there and they do exist. I grew up in the very rural Upper Peninsula of Michigan and there were plenty of people living off the grid up there. The winters are brutal and any error could equal freezing to death. There was a kid in my middle school who came from one of these off the grid families and he could barely read let alone speak much and always showed up dressed in muddy head to tow camel. One day the teacher caught him pissing on someone else's desk and when asked why he did it he simply said he wanted to leave his scent. Another time, a girl showed up with a severed deer head in a garbage bag because she wanted to show off her hunt. I live in the lower parts of Michigan in a small township. Around my town, there are little trails you can follow that can lead into deep forest or to act as a quick route to the other part of town. A couple of days ago, I was on the trail to go into the deeper part of the woods. The sun had already set and I was using my flashlight for lighting while on my bike. I had this sitting area, a tree that's branch resembled a swing. I was putting my bike closer to the tree when I made eye contact, or at least I think it was its eyes, with a creature. I didn't see much of its body, but I saw the face. It had a skull with thickish antlers. I probably stayed in my position for like five minutes until the thing screeched. I bolted it with my bike and returned home. I say possible Wendigo encounter because I'm not sure exactly if it was even a Wendigo. Can someone explain with a made eye contact with? 